Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, May 31st, 2021, and draft season is officially upon us. But first, uh, you need more hockey news, and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast and everything you need uh, to know that's happening around the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Lockdown NHL today, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to Lockdown Red Wings. Today is the start of our uh, hashtag draft season, SCN, uh, for the nerds out there at home who can't differentiate it, don't know the difference. Uh, and we're going to basically be be just going uh, uh, almonds to the wall uh, on draft coverage. We're going to be doing over 60 draft profiles. We're going to be doing way more or even more uh, profiles on sleepers. We're going to be taking a look at uh, some draft philosophy uh, and, and just a whole lot of different stuff with some of the best scouting minds around. Uh, today is the start of that. I'm super excited for it. We got Tony Ferrari coming late in the week. We got E2 Sultanen coming late in the week. Both of those guys from Dauber Prospects. We've already booked uh, a couple other pretty high profile uh, scouts for the show. So we're just going to be keep rolling those as time goes by. Obviously we have the draft lottery on Wednesday night. So we're going to be doing a draft lottery uh, preview episode on Wednesday draft lottery reaction show on Thursday. And then we're going to squeeze in these draft profiles in between. Uh, I am Detroit sports writer, Noel Bianchi with me today. I got my co-host Scotty Bentley. What's going on, Scotty? How's it going, man? It's great, man. Just watched, uh, just watched the Tigers sweep the Yankees. So I'm it's pretty hard to kill my vibe at the moment. Scooball looked good. Mize looked good. good. Uh, just yeah. a great weekend overall for the for the Kitty Cats. Fantastic for the boys. Yeah, bounce back too. with a winning record in May. Yeah, I um, think uh, thirteen and seven in their last twenty at least. So, well, there you go. Uh, so good times going on for uh, the Detroit baseball tigers sorry i store uh i store thing there, <laughs> scotty uh but the other chris illich owned team the red wings they, they have different times ahead we're more focused on the draft right now uh we have steve cornianos of the draft analyst podcast on the show today to talk about uh or to profile simon Evanson and anton olsen two swedish defensemen uh the, it's interesting that he that we did Edvinson with him, but the reason we did it uh, with I'm him so specifically was so because happy. he does not have Edvinson ranked very high at all. I think he has him in the low twenties, uh, which with the way this this draft has been, um, I guess not horribly surprising. Like guy that I think everybody has at least a couple guys that are like way lower than everybody else, uh, and it's just the nature of this draft. But I was interesting to hear, interested to hear his perspective on that because he sang all the praises that everybody else did, but he he kind of got into the, the details about why just as a prospect, um, you know, he's not so sure about, you know, how his game will translate, the, the, the habits that he has and has maintained through his first or, or last couple of years. Um, so he still maintains that, yes, if he hits the ceiling, he could be worthy of the top pick in the draft. But for accident reasons and, and those reasons, 
I don't necessarily see him panning out that way. Uh, the conversation on Anton Wilson was great too. Uh, we're bringing the Swedish mafia. We we've talked about it before. Uh, if you saw our post on Sunday, I put out like a this week at lockdown Red Wings. Well, it was immediately disrupted because we were supposed to interview uh, Tony Ferrari today to profile some guys tomorrow or, or sorry on Sunday for today's episode Monday. Uh, but unfortunately he had something come up that didn't work out. Uh, and so we're going, we're, we're a little bit off schedule, but for the most part, we're still on schedule. We're going to have three draft episode profiles, two draft lottery uh, episodes. And uh, I think that is all we need to get to before we just cut right to the interview. Anything else, Scott? No, I, I'm just like you already kind of cut. I'm super glad we, uh, we picked his brain about Edvinson. Cause that's just, he's, he views him as like, you know, in those in like, in like NBA 2k, when you, when you see somebody in the draft pool and it's like, they're like a super low overall, but they have 99 potential. That's mm-hmm. like how he views them. It's like, yeah, if you're just yeah. going based on how good they are, it. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just going, just going based on like the overalls quote unquote of the players. Like he thinks he's, he's, you know, in the twenties, as far as how good they all are right now, all at 18, whatever years old. But um, yeah, he, he just thinks that, that, that big of a risk for a boomer bust pick isn't worth a top five pick and stuff. And that's, it's always fun to interview people that are kind of outlier outliers like that. So I, it was super fun. Yeah. Uh, be sure to smash that subscribe button. It's the only way to make sure that each and every morning when you wake up, a new episode is waiting for you. Uh, I just want to say thanks because we've been crushing uh, our numbers lately. These past three weeks, we've just gone up, up and up. I think they, they were our second, third and fourth highest weeks ever. Uh, the, the one highest week was obviously the trade deadline week. Um, but we, we just continue to grow and all of that is thanks to you, the listeners. So thank you so much to everybody who has, uh, gone on this journey with us, a spiritual journey. Uh, I, I, yes. I think I might have Brian edit that part out. Um, and, uh, it, it's just really, really awesome as we continue to get into draft season, we're only going to be turning up the heat just a little bit. Uh, and I'm really excited to bring it to you. So without further ado, we've got the draft analyst, Steve Cornianos to profile Simon Evanson and Anton Olson. All right. Well now let us, uh, move it into a couple defense. We're here with Steve Cornianos from the draft host of the draft analyst podcast. Go check out his YouTube channel, prospect film room. We got lots of great, uh, was I think it's just the is it the do you do the shift by shift ones? Or no, I just do highlights. Just like just highlights. Just five, yeah, seven yeah. minutes for highlights. I think because usually the, the the busiest time of year is uh, is during the draft week itself. People are like oh my god, where's the sky? And people don't have time to watch like a twenty five minute shift by shift video. They want to just see what's so great great about this kid, and you get that in the highlight video. So that's why I did it. Well, there you go. Go check out the prospect film room, be able to catch up on a lot of these guys uh, really quickly. It's a good leaping off point uh, for diving into prospects. You're like, Oh, I like this guy. Or, oh, this guy doesn't really excite me that much. Um, but I know Scotty has two questions We're we're looking at Simon Edvinson uh, and Anton Olson today. I know Scotty has a question before we, we jump into the specifics on those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, first off, I can't wait to pick your brain on Edvinson just because you are, and I think you're already smiling. I think you know that you're like an outlier in that evaluation. Yes. 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 (laughs) I cannot, I cannot wait to kind of pick your brain on that, but just starting off as, as defensemen as a whole, I think there's so many different ways you can be productive as a defense, you can be an offensive defenseman. You can be like a big burly guy. You can be kind of smaller and more agile and get poke checks and stuff where, um, what do you look at specifically 
Um, like what traits do you look for in defensemen that you think no matter what kind of player you are, that will translate to the NHL level? Puck poise is number one. Smarts, you know, like, like, you know, uh, how many times do you see a defenseman uh, have the puck and give it away? Right. If, if, if the, if the game in the, in, if the NHL game nowadays is all about possession and the more that you have the puck, the greater you increase your chance of scoring and winning games. Uh, how many times you see defensemen ice the puck, get rid of the puck, dump it in, you know, and, and whereas there's this new school of thought and it's, I don't know if it's, it's finally taking hold in what we're seeing in the NHL right now, but I know that it's being taught at very like young levels where they're trying to teach these defensemen, to just hang on to the puck because a, a four checker or an opposing checker, right? Usually like that forward, right? A forward is the one that's, that's you know, marking that defenseman. They are designed to just react very quickly. They don't have time to think. Their job is to really just pressure the guy. And then as fast as they can get back to the neutral zone because they don't want to, you know, get, uh, get trapped or overcommit. And so what they're teaching this defenseman now is like, Hey, if you hang on to that puck for like that extra second, by shifting your shoulder, right? Or, you know, turning your head or like little tiny moves, like, you know, like uh, uh, shifting from forehand to backhand, you might eventually make that four checker just fly right by you. And there you go. You just bought yourself some time and space. So that, that all ties into hockey IQ. Uh, and I think that it's the, it's the first thing I look at specifically when they're behind the net, their own net, how are they handling a four check? That, that's, that's number one. It's the first thing I notice. Now, with uh, Simon Evanson, specifically the left-handed defenseman from Frolanda, the Red Wings obviously like Frolanda. They made two picks in last year's draft from there, Lucas oh, wow. Raymond and Theodore Niederbach. Uh, he's 6'5", 207, shoots left-handed, uh, mainly ranked to be a top five, top ten pick. Uh, but as Scotty alluded to, you have him in the uh, early 20s. Maybe not the best uh, guy for us to do with you, but – I think I do think it's interesting to have this opposite perspective because all we've really heard so far is uh, very positive things. And I'm not saying that you're going to have negative things to say about him, but we are interested to know, I guess, why, uh, what isn't there for you? Is it the skating? Uh, it, what are the other analysts underlooking? Well, I love his skating. I love his past deliveries. I love his size. He, you know, he's uh, he's, he could be physical, he could deliver big checks. Uh, the issue that I had with him dated back to the World U-17 Hockey Challenge. So all the way back. He had a very good tournament, like uh, style-wise, skating-wise, point production-wise. But uh, he was just roaming all over the place. And, and, and I like, in, in, in best-on-best tournaments specifically, I like teams. I like when prospects find a way to maintain structure. Like the coach is like, hey, listen, I don't know who you kids are. I coach you guys once every five years, but while you're going to play for me, I want you to have a little bit of structure and it's okay to tell one or two players, Hey, you're unbridled. You can do whatever you want. Uh, but usually I like to see players play with structure and he didn't play with any structure in that tournament. He was flying all over the place. Looked good. A lot of it, but again, no structure in the defensive zone. So I, you know, I take my notes down and then I go back. I watch some of his for London games and I'm like, well, he's even worse. And he, now he's on his club team where his coach is telling him like, Hey dude, like this is our system. Like you've been playing in the system for like two years. And the system was everybody stays in their, in their, in their spots. They know how to read and react. Not Edmondson. He was all over the place. And even uh, borderline lack, lackadaisical and uh, nonchalant. So I'm like, Oh, this kid can't be a top three pick. He's got, he's raw. 
Uh, and then I started hearing about the Victor Hedman stuff. I'm like, well, Victor Hedman was at number two or number one on Moto in his draft year. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Let me wait and see how Edmondson plays for Frolunda this year because if he's the next Victor Hedman, he's going to have to play for Frolunda because Frolunda was struggling and they had uh, they needed help. So I figured that he every time they called this kid up, they played him two to four minutes. He never played. And when he did play, he looked a little bit out, out of place, like you're in the headlights kind of situation. Uh, but my focus was more on his league play. And so the thing with Edmondson is, and I'll just sum it up because I could go on for hours with him. Uh, the first 20 to 25 minutes of a game, not his ice time, but let's say the first, let's say first period and a half of his games are great. He usually, he's decisive. He's carrying the puck. He's the guy that everyone defers to, to, to initiate the breakout. Breakouts are fine. And then he has that one moment where everything just goes to hell in the handbasket. It could be a turnover. It could be going for a big hit that was just not necessary. And so, you know, it might be nitpicking, but this is, this has been a trend. It's almost like systemic in his game where like he will have 10 really good shifts and have a horrendous shift. Not like, Oh, I made a mistake. I made a turnover. And so that has been the case with him absolutely throughout his entire two years that I've been watching him. It was even the case here at the, at the U18s. Now, he had a, a couple of really strong games against the Americans and against the Finns, where he was one of the best players on the ice. But against Canada, the two blowouts, where they got outscored like, you know, you know uh, 19 to 2 or whatever it was, like, like those Canadian kids, like you're going to be facing them in the NHL. That's what mm. you're going to be facing, a heavy physical forecheck. And not that he was intimidated by it, but I just felt that he, he just loses focus. He loses, you know, he, he gets lost in the moment and he tries to do everything himself and not in a Coronado kind of a way because Coronado is a forward and he's got defensemen back there to help him. <laughs> Edmondson doesn't do is he just doesn't seem like he really communicates with his partner where he's like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. And you got to come. So time and again, if you're a forward on the ice, you have to be aware of what Edmondson does. And that puts a lot of pressure on the forwards now because now the forwards who I think are probably more, I guess, reliable and skilled in scoring and playmaking. Now they have to cover his point because he's always vacating it and he gets trapped a lot. He's up by a ton. So I understand why uh, people think he's a potential top three pick he, And the Victor Hedman comparisons though, were, were off base because it's not fair. Victor Hedman was a number one on moto uh, and, and, you know, on a relatively competitive team. Edmondson couldn't crack the lineup of a mediocre team. So how are you going to compare the two? All right, I just got to jump in here real quick to talk to the folks today about Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. That's me. I'm an investor that trades individual stocks. Well, no longer. In fact, only 1% of day traders even beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. So team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion. It's billion with a B. Uh, I think they are trusted with more dollars of assets than McDonald's has ever sold hamburgers. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. So to get that first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings one more time. Scotty Bentley. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. You're supposed to repeat after me and get started today. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was my cue. <laughs> 
Here's Ernie. Busting through. Adam Ernie right in. Scores! Adam Ernie! It's 4-3 Detroit! He's got his 10th goal of the season. Uh, but if Edmondson does hit, uh, it'll probably take like four to six years. I mean, is it going to be Tyler Myers? Is going to is he going to be Klingberg? Like we don't know. Um, but uh, you know, I have to rank. I can't. I can't just say. Well, everybody else likes him. Like do I got <laughs> no. And I and I, I believe me. I I respect that a whole I lot. I respect it. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Have you seen like have other have you seen anywhere that's like voiced those concerns? Is anybody seeing what you're seeing? Because I would imagine that you probably got to be looking around. Like, but, but am they, I taking crazy pills here? No, no. They they've seen it, but but they're, they're focused on the size and 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 again and. Uh, the narrative, listen, people take their opinions from what people like myself say, but collectively, there's like 15, 20, 50 of us now, who knows, who will give an opinion on a draft prospect. But the NHL has their own scouting arm and they have their own website. And that's what we all pretty much start with, right? For the most part. And if they come out and they say, oh, this kid's going to be a top two pick. And oh, if Bob McKenzie comes out and says, oh, well, we scout, we po- pulled scouts and he's going to be, he's tied for number two. Who the ties? They tied number two. They tied Edmondson number two with Gunther for the draft. So if the narrative from the very beginning is, well, he's he's going to be the second or third best player from this draft, then people are going to be like, well, uh, you know, uh, we have to stick with it. Hard and to rank him honestly from that point, yeah. Yeah, and and the thing is with him is that you know, and, it, and now again, I don't know if it's agents, I don't know if it's parents, I don't know if it's the Forlunda organization. I have no idea why. I I'll tell you a real funny story that I was convinced after watching. Philip Broberg and Tobias Bjornfot play, right? Bjornfot's a Kings draft pick. Uh, Broberg was the uh, Edmonton draft pick. I was convinced very early on that Bjornfot was the better prospect. I'm like, Broberg's big. He could skate and he could hit. He likes to shoot the puck, but Bjornfot's the guy that he's clean. Like he, he's, a, he's like a Rasmus Sandin in a way. He could run the breakout, whatever. And, and I was had tons of evidence to back up my claim, and I would tweet stuff out. And I, I wrote my draft guide and then I got an email from Broberg's agent. He's like, hi, Steve. He's like, I just want to know who are your scouts in Sweden and why, you know, who do you have evaluating Philip Broberg and blah, blah, blah. I didn't answer him. You know what I mean? But, but I'm like, <laughs> clearly he was like, everybody's ranking Broberg 5'10", right? And I'm ranking him 25, 26. And, you know, people could not believe it. They got Broberg and he ended up going, you know, he got drafted ahead of a lot of players. And I, listen, I'm not saying Broberg's not going to become a good player, but we're seeing now that maybe the Bjorn Fott over Broberg thing might have been a, a, not a bad idea because Bjorn Fott, if he could, would crack the Kings everyday lineup. And, you know, Broberg, uh, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he'll come over, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But the point is, is that uh, I, put a lot of work into what I do. And, you know, with Edmondson, it's nothing personal because I always say when he does something really well, and I'll acknowledge that he was the best player on the ice, but there are red flags for me, major red flags. Um, and if the NHL says he's going to be a potential Victor Hedman, let them say that. I, I just, I just, I, I, can, I don't see it. Well, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Scott. I know you had a question up next, but like the, I, I think, a from a that, that's a good thing to hear you know i think that almost lends to the credibility of a scout real quick and like we've heard 
stories uh, from numerous guests that have come on. Tony Ferrari comes on. We always uh, let him tell a story about how he was super high on most cider and then got bullied out of it because he was young and scouting and, and was nervous that people were going to laugh at him and say his rankings were bad or whatever it was. And then he lowered them. And then he was like, Oh man, like that was my guy. I could have been the guy on the, uh, on most cider. And I think that goes the other way too, where, you know, you're seeing something that not a lot of other or you're not seeing something that a lot of other people are just kind of putting out there as something that's fact uh, before maybe necessarily taking a look at it with a, a more critical eye than they would had they not had this, this preconceived notion of him already being a top three uh, defenseman. Yeah. I, I thought, it, I thought that was it. It was just premature to, to automatically come out and say in a draft that is as cloudy and ambiguous, yeah, confusing as too. this one, that that is the next Victor Hedman. He's the number two, number three pick. I'm like, well, that's not fair because like what, what we're really doing is we're, we're assuming that based on what he's done at like two international tournaments mm-hmm. and a couple of all, all Svenskin games, because it wasn't his J20 play. I can tell you at that. At the one. age of 17 or yeah, 16. So, yeah. So that's why, you know, uh, I, when I, I came out and I said a long time ago that um, I, I might have to go off of stats this year than more than other years, I might have to go off of role on a team league play more so than in previous years because of, uh, you know, this, this weird, funky coronavirus uh, driven league that we had to deal with. Or it was a draft year we had to deal with. So his uh, you've documented a lot that uh, he doesn't shoot a lot. He, he doesn't, he's kind of in the bottom uh, of the league in shooting this most recent year as well. Um, but he has been a reasonably effective facilitator, the agility. And obviously everybody talks about how great of a skater he is um, kind of even ran, uh, you know, the puck kind of ran through him on power plays every once in a while. What for his style of game specifically, are you worried about him uh, offensively at the next level, whether it's the, the facilitator um, or whether it's just scoring in general, like, is that a big question mark for him going into the next level? Well, I mean, his, here's the thing. So like, he's going to have forwards, right? He's going to have a lot of high scoring forwards on his team, whether it be in the minor leagues or in the NHL at some point. Right. And what that means is those forwards are going to have to, you know, it all depends on what the coaches want and what type of systems that they run. But what I see with Edmondson a lot is he'll take the puck up ice and he'll enter the zone and he'll know what to do with it, but nothing really comes out of it is what I'm saying. And so, you know, you have your Eric Carlson's and you have your, uh, you know, Brett Burns's and you have your Chris Letang's where they, they, you know, pilot points the way that, you know, by being great passes, really facilitating and orchestrating the attack inside the offensive zone. Of course, a lot of Letang's points come from Sidney Crosby and Benny Malkin. But so my thing is like, is Edmondson going to finally learn that, you know what? I'm not the number one guy in the ice. And he plays like that. He plays like he's the, the main guy in the ice. And that's a good mm-hmm. thing sometimes. But for a defenseman, you know, especially on a team like Forlunda, uh, where they had all that firepower, well, J20 Forlunda, the, the young team, where they had Niederbach. And uh, even last year, they had Raymond there. Uh, and Dower Nielsen and Liesel was there. Where, you know, you just got to hand the puck off and that's it. And I was surprised to see that how he was c- kind of indecisive with the way he was delivering the puck. So I don't see really high uh, upside with him. I see in terms of uh, offense, I don't see him now, if he's going to be like a Ryan McDonough, that's going to you know, have a 40, 45 point season simply by, 
you know, developing his, his passing game or his playmaking game. But th- to be fair to Edmondson, he's a very good passer over long distances. So he's going to probably get a lot of secondary assists and probably a lot of tertiary assists where he'll, he won't get the point in the stat column, but it'll look good in his overall possession numbers. So uh, as far as the power play goes, I mean, he's not the option, right? He's not the option. And I think, you know, you're watching Owen power play at this tournament in, in the world championships. You watch him play at Michigan. Like he knows what to do with the puck. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that's confident and clear and knows where to position himself and is weaving. He doesn't run himself into traffic. If he skates into traffic, he knows how to peel back and re, re-, re- cock, uh, the possession. Uh, Brant Clark does that. Carson Lambos to an extent does that. A lot of defense with the strap does that. Edmondson, kind of doesn't do that like he'll skate he'll do a move and then he'll be trapped in the corner and that's when you see the forward like all right here i go here he goes i gotta go to the point now him. <laughs> like you see him fall in the corner a bunch of times i'm like well, well you know you, you can't just fall in the corner you're a defenseman you gotta you know so again i think he's raw i, I think that he's raw uh but i could see why people are high on him but again it's it's there's a lot of risk and if i'm picking second third or fourth i don't want risk I want to so it's a thing. it's a low floor, high ceiling situation. He's somewhat like you. I mean, you've been you're this isn't just a bash session. You have been open about uh, how, you know, his strengths as well. So this is someone that you think could 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 reach great heights. And he has the yes. raw ability yes. to absolutely. Of course, but, of course. but the floor is is very low as well. Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, he's to me, he's boom or bust. He's, he, he's sure. mm-hmm. I mean, his definition of right because, like, he's not like like his his defensive play. He he could be physical. He's really good at his lines. Got a long stick. You know, he, he's good to, to break up play. But he's not married to the slot and floats floats from the slot a lot. He, he loses men in coverage. He chases. So you know, I'm not going to say he's a really good defensive defenseman. Uh, with him, it's going to be either he's our number one and we're going to build our franchise around him, or he's going to be the number six, the number seven, who just drives you crazy, you know, like an Ole Levy or like a John Moore, where you, you Tom Pody, where you know the skills are there. You know they're there. You know that if he could just marry them together, he could be one of the best, but it just it just never happens. And you, you, you come back and you're like, all right, let's move on now and try to find someone else. So... Uh, you, you did just kind of touch on his defensive game there with the puck chasing and things like that, but just kind of put a bow on it. Uh, what do you make overall of his defensive game strengths, weaknesses, and, uh, is something that has kind of come to me throughout this whole draft process is like finding a future partner for Moritz Sider and just picturing what these two behemoths would look like on the same blue line. Uh, that was kind of just uh, completely aside, but, um, <laughs> just as a defenseman, what do, you, what, what do you like there? Uh, I, I like, I, okay, I like his physicality. He doesn't get intimidated. He doesn't back down. So he'll challenge bigger plays in the corners. Uh, I like that. Uh, his gap's really good. Uh, you know, he, he, he just, he, he's, he's an excellent skater. Uh, really fluid, really graceful in all directions. So he's able to maintain a tight gap. He's got a long stick, holds his line. Um, it, it, I, with him, it's more like the, the reading and the reacting. So he'll make good reads. He'll step up and make the decisive play. He'll pick off a pass, uh, pass and head the other way. Uh, but it's in terms of shoulder checking, right? Making sure you know what's going on around you, identifying potential threats before they become a threat. And that's something that he's been very inconsistent with, very inconsistent with, where you look at Owen Power, his head is always like this, always shoulder mm-hmm. checking, Whereas with Edmondson, he kind of gets sometimes that tunnel vision 
and uh, it, it cost him. So um, uh, I, I don't want to say he's a liability defensively, but there are, there are games where he can completely smother you. And there are games where he's got a lot to learn. He makes a lot of mistakes. So uh, again, uh, paired with a guy like Mo Sider, uh, yeah, I could see it. It, it would work if Mo Sider decided. I mean, having two aggressive, uh, mobile de- defensemen on the same pairing. I think Nashville did it with Shea Weber and Ryan Suter, right? That was the uh, that was the first thing that came to mind. Just like the killer yeah. line. Yeah, you know? like so. So you know, you could do that, uh, and there's no rule that says, "Well, I'm skating up with the puck, so you have to cover for me." Uh, and I'm the only one that could do that. All right. Last time I'm going to interrupt today. I got to talk to you about Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? That's a lot of flavors. That's 10 when they got the limited time. It's double digits. Count them. Uh, use it. Use a full two hands to count those bad boys up. When we talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. And if you don't know all the flavors, well, you're missing out. Uh, coconut. Uh, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted, salted caramel. There is something for everyone. You want to know what my flavor is right now? It's a salted caramel. It's absolutely delicious. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I've been bringing them with me on golf trips. I've been bringing them with me on hikes. I'm not a big uh, outdoor, have a lot of physical energy type guy, but hey, guess what? That wasn't until I started eating Built Bars, because once I go with the Built Bar, I can go for the rest of my day. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein with only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Aronic with the empty net. He's good at it. He's good at it. He hits it. He's the best at it. It's three to one. For the Red Wings specifically, uh, I mean, they got look, look, look at how many defensemen they have in their system. My goodness. I mean, is it really worth taking another shot, another defenseman? Do you really need to create more? Competition which, which is crazy because, like, think back to a year and a half ago when we, like, didn't necessarily know fully what we had in Maritz Sider. I, I don't – I think we, like, started to to understand it, but, like, you didn't know to the extent. And now just look at the guys that you've you – have kind of started to come up. Johansson, Wallinder, uh, he was obviously a Vero. recent draft pick. He'll, uh, Emil Vero, he had a very good year in the Finnish league as well. And all – like, it, it, it's kind of crazy – how quickly that has gone from a problem area to kind of an area of strength without anything like major happening. You know, they didn't take Jamie Drysdale fourth overall last year. Like they, they took a a one defenseman pretty high, higher than most people expected at the time. And, And that was really the biggest swing that they had taken on that position group. And it has slowly uh, kind of started to blossom into something that, that looks like it's going to help the Red Wings in the future. Now we are just wrapping up, talk about a Swedish defenseman. Let's get to another Swedish defenseman. Thank you so much, uh, by the way, for your time today. It's been uh, awesome talking to you Uh, as always go check out the draft analyst.com. Go check out the draft analyst podcast. We're looking at Anton Olsen. Uh, another uh, Swedish defenseman. Uh, I don't have the his his height and weight off the top of my head. Let's see here. Oh, 6'1", 183. Uh, 18 years old, left-hand shot. Uh, so you currently have him at 21, which is ahead of Edvinson. Do you think his game translates to the, to the NHL better than Edvinson? Or what, I guess, appeals to him more uh, or appeals to you more about him? 
uh, he was he, unlike Edmondson, was was not was given. Well, similar to Edmondson, Olsen was given a like initial chance, right, to play in the SHL. So he played for Malmo. Uh, Malmo last year in the J20, I had to watch them a ton because of Helga Grands. And as I was watching them last year, I'm like, this kid Olsen's better than Grands. Like, mm-hmm. just a better, cleaner defenseman. He's he's more physical. He's got a really nice stride. He's got a cannon of a shot. Uh, and I just, he just seems like more of like that on ice general, very decisive. So I'm going to keep my eye on him. Then I go and watch Edmondson and I see indecisiveness, uh, nonchalant. I'm like, okay, Olsen's better than Edmondson right off the bat. Um, and so now I focus on this season and again, level playing field. Edmondson starts in the J20. Olsen starts in the J20. You know, at some point, both didn't get promoted. They both got promoted around the same time for Lunda being the more, I guess, uh, prominent organization, whereas Malmo was, uh, you know, kind of like the mediocre in the sewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what ended up happening was that it makes sense. All right. It's going to be tougher to crack for Lunda's lineup than Malmo's lineup. But what started happening is that for Lunda was not playing well and Malmo was not playing well, but for Lunda would not give Edmondson a chance whatsoever, but Malmo would give Olsen a chance. And I was watching Olsen in only five to seven minute increments, right? Five to seven minutes a game. Uh, really impacting play, uh, impacting play on the physical side, the breakout, right? The poison on the breakout that I talked about um, and just uh, overall like dealing with like a double, like a double four check, right? With two guys come out of the same directions. He was handling it fine, peeling back, heading in different directions. So I'm like, well, wait, now I'm going to go watch Edvinson in his one to three minutes and he's not doing anything. He's basically scared of the puck. He's very indecisive. And he's like deer in the headlights. So I'm going to stick with my assessment that Olsen's the better prospect. As the season progressed, Malmo started catching up. And, you know, Joe Valeno was playing uh, with Malmo as well. Malmo yeah. started catching up. And while Malmo was catching up to Forlunda, while Forlunda's losing, and they still have no interest in having Edmondson play, not only is Malmo catching up, but they're playing Olsen more. So Olsen is playing his best hockey as Malmo was playing their best hockey. And now he's going from seven and eight minutes a game to 14 and 16 minutes a game. And on some occasions, even played 20 minutes a game. I'm like, all right, well, this kid's, this kid's really seeing the deal for me. This is a long sample size, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 games. Um, and then unfortunately they go to the U18s and I don't know what came over Olsen, but he tried to be the, like the number one star there. Maybe it was the pressure from the scouts. Who knows? But he had a horrible tournament. His, his partner, Showholm, was worse, and they, they never broke it up. Uh, but uh, So I think if you just take that tournament, you'll say, all right, how could you possibly rate Olsen ahead of Edmondson? But, again, I got to go back with, the, with the, the SHL play, the league play, where playoffs were on the line. Bigger sample size. Yeah, yeah so you're looking at power, decisiveness, confidence, physicality. He's aggressive. He's mean. Uh, loves to shoot the puck. He's got a very hard shot. Uh, sometimes it hurts him in decision-making for the uh, department, but um, I'm thinking long-term. Uh, he's the guy that I want on the ice late in the game, you know, to handle the slot. He's mean. He uses stick a lot. Uh, whereas Edmondson, you don't know what you're going to get. It's kind of a mixed bag. So that's why I lean more towards Olsen. Do you think the the world's performance hurt his either stock in general or your opinion on him specifically, like, like you talked about how much he struggled, obviously, do you think, think that that was uh, that, that really hindered uh, your evaluation of him or again, or do you just kind of fall back to, you know, that his team was playing their best hockey when he was getting the most minutes that kind of trumps a a poor world's performance. 
Yeah. And that, and that's, and I said that beforehand, I, I had to make the decision, you know, I'm the one that's doing the evaluating here. If I, if I trust a kid uh, and I, I want to reward him for what he did and not go off of a four to five game sample, like a, a right. UA team where, and this UA team was the worst one of them all because I mean, they had venues where it was only scouts allowed in the building. So mm. you're playing, you're playing in front of 250 scouts. Like, that's not healthy. That's not normal. I mean, and NFL, that's fine. That's a but, great point. That's not healthy. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> yeah, and, and you saw that. And I was tweeting about it, how these kids are not acting the way that they did in league play. Uh, and it, you could tell the scouts had a big – and it's not the scouts' fault. I mean, they, they, they weren't allowed to travel. They had to go there to see them sure. play. Uh, but, uh, no, that, that was the one where I said, you know what? He's going to be the one guy that I'm going to my, – my biggest gambles this year uh, in the first round are Olsen and Edmondson, uh, opposite side of the spectrum. Either, you know, one of them is going to become a really good NHL defenseman. I'm, I'm, I put them both right on top of each other, right next to each other, uh, 20 and 21, I think, or 21 and 22. So, uh, you know, if Edmondson becomes a superstar, uh, you know, I could say, hey, you know what? You know, I did my work. You know, he, he, he <laughs> proved me wrong. Right. Um, yeah, but it isn't about being right or wrong. It's just about a lot of it is gut feeling and uh, what the eye test tells you after going through hours upon hours upon hours of film and notes and, uh, you know, and eventually a lot of this stuff gets forgotten anyway. I mean, there's that, a new draft class you got to worry about. So, yeah. Sure. Well, plus when they mention they, you know, guys were a fifth round pick, they don't, they don't say what the, what the draft scouts were saying about them as the fifth round pick, like the, the fifth being a fifth round pick in and of itself is enough to like, all right, we don't, we don't really need to go any deeper on this. No, don't need to pull up any blogs yeah, or, yeah. or quotes right. or anything like that. Uh, but with uh, Olsen, He's somewhat of a, a a bit of a tank on skates. Not the biggest guy around, only that 6'1". Uh, you put the adjective hard after uh, just about most things he does. Shoots hard, skates hard, hits hard. Yep. Is this one of the reasons that you're high on him most? Just maybe the explosiveness in every single area of his game? And how do you think that apply or, or translates to the NHL? It's weird. Like, he wears a, he wears, he wears, he wore the birdcage. But, like, it's almost like you could see him – like you could see the confidence and the anger like on his face. Like he's a, he's just a very serious kid. Uh, you know, not that Evanson isn't, but it's just that like, there's a lot of things that he does that just seem like they're going to translate specifically the ability to just when to hit a guy, when to release from the slot, his decision-making is really good. He had a bad, like I said, run at it at the U18s with, with turnovers. He was forcing passes. There was one shift against the Americans where the game is actually won where on a power play, he was on the power play. He turned it over twice. That led to two breakaways. And he just went to the bench. He just said, Hey, just, just take me out. Like I, like, I, like I've had it. And, and that happens. Like that happens to the best of them. Uh, you're allowed to have bad games. Nick Lidstrom had bad games. Ray Bork had horrible games uh, at, at the worst times. You know, you're never going to be like a perfect prospect. Um, so, but I, really the, the fact that he was able to intimidate, adult competition with his physicality and his defensive play really stood out. It really did. It, 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 like people like he put people on notice at only 17 years of age. So um, I see some Shea, Shea Weber in him, especially with that shot. Uh, you know, he's just, he's got leadership abilities, capabilities. Um, so I, I like him a lot. I mean, for all, for all I know, he'll become nothing and he'll get drafted in the fourth round, but uh, <laughs> you know uh, I think he needs, he definitely needs a, uh, a coach to have faith in him. And I like the fact that the coaches in Malmo had faith in him and, you know, you, you know, Joe Valeno, you ever have him on your podcast, ask him because he played with him and uh, he, oh, there you go. 
he bailed out Valeno a bunch of times. So, uh, <laughs> no. well, let's talk about that shot. I mean, is he a guy you can put on the power play eventually? Yeah. Like, do you see that as a, you know, possibility? Yeah, as a one-time option. Absolutely. He's, he's more of a deliberate, he's a very powerful skate. He's got a long stride, good speed, uh, not as like graceful or agile as Edmondson, but uh, he's got that, that you, he'd be the guy that you have for the one-time option, right? He's the guy that you want to set up really as high as, as his own line, uh, you know, a hundred feet out or whatever it is. So um, I, I think though, he's, he's not really much of a playmaker. He's not like creative and like when he, he just, he, he's got to learn. He's got, he's got to tone things down. He's, he's very like demonstrative and on the ice where he, he like the passes are harder than they should be. He likes to shoot the puck and like just put it through everybody uh, but that's stuff that you could teach, you know what I mean? Uh, but the power of a shot is very, I mean, accuracy is okay. Uh, but, uh, but definitely, you know, makes goalies earn their paycheck. That's for sure. So do you think stylistically that, um, there's a, there's a certain type of pairing that he needs to be on? Do you think the other person in the, in the defensive pairing needs to be like, uh, I don't know, like the opposite or, or the same, like, is there, is there a specific system? that you think he works better in or do you think he's someone that that like you said with the right coaching could really thrive in, in just about anywhere i think put put it put a guy just like him on the same pairing they could they could do a lot of damage wreak havoc <laughs> yeah, exactly like have a similar physical mobile defenseman uh, uh you know on both sides uh and he could play left or right side just like edvinson um i don't think it's like well olsen is going to be the main puck carrying guy uh, he knows when to skate with the puck and when not to uh and so whereas Edmondson he likes to have the puck to himself he likes to be the one to do all the breaking out you know his partner knows all right you're going to be on the puck most of the time I'm just there to make sure you don't do anything stupid or you know if you do something stupid I'll cover for you uh that's not the case with Olsen he's 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 pretty uh, versatile in that regard he could be with a finesse guy um you know so there's a little bit of Ryan McDonough a little bit of Shea Weber that's kind of like the hybrid that he is to me so uh, all of this is to say that he could really go, I guess, anywhere with the with the first, second, with any of those top 100 picks for the Red Wings. Is that kind of uh, maybe as we get into the third round, that becomes a little bit less likely. But uh, you kind of see him in that late first, early third range uh, about. Yeah. yeah, if he goes in the late first, it'll be like a, it'll be a, a little bit of a surprise. I don't expect him to go in the first round. I just have to rank them like where I see 10 years down the road. Yeah. Put your flag uh, in yeah. the ground. Hell yeah. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, 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 uh, te- but second round, absolutely. The only concern is that, listen, these central scouting rankings, all U18 world champions recency bias, sure. uh, you know, so like, so if, 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 if the, what Olsen did at the, or didn't do at the U18 worlds, let it let left such a lasting impression or sour taste in, in their mouths with GMs or scouting directors or scouts, then you could see him fall even to the third and fourth, fifth round. Um, but, you know, I, I would hope that they're not going to base their entire assessment on five games in a tournament like that over <laughs> his overall body work with Malmo, which was really, really good. All right. That does it for the first edition of our draft profile series. Uh, being that it is the holiday, I'm not exactly sure if we're going to be able to get somebody else on the horn for a draft profile uh, on Tuesday. So, 
that is a, a tentative plan. We're not sure exactly what we got going on there. We'll, we'll make something happen, though, uh, if the situation should arise and we do need to do that. Uh, so be sure to subscribe. It'll be waiting for you when you wake up on Tuesday when you got that post-memorial day. day I don't want to go back to work. Grogginess, hang out with us. We'll cheer you up. We'll send you back off into your work in a real chipper mood, uh, and it'll be a real good time. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.